0: This is Finding Center, a daily half-hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Living to Obtain Power from God. We'll hear a BYU devotional address from McKay Christensen, BYU's Managing Director of Alumni and External Relations at the time of this address, entitled, Lay Hold Upon the Word, The Power of Wholehearted Living.
1: When I was fifteen years old, I worked on a sod farm. It was located close to where the Payson Temple is today. To cut the sod, we used a harvester that weighed about fourteen ton. One day I was assigned to work with my high school classmate on the back of the harvester, and while we were moving the harvester from one end of the field to the other, I was walking alongside. As I walked along this slow moving harvester, I attempted to jump up onto the platform and sit next to my friend. I misjudged my jump, and only landed part way onto the platform. I lost my balance and fell in front of the double set of dual wheels that were underneath the platform. I immediately tried to scurry out of the path of the wheels, but the big knobby tires caught my high-top sneakers, and the wheels started to roll up my leg, throwing me to the ground. I quickly realized I was in quite a predicament. I was now lying directly feet first, directly in the path of the wheels that were going to roll over the entire length of my body, starting with my feet and ending with my head. I felt my right leg break under the weight of the machine, and the wheels continued to roll up over my pelvis, crushing my pelvis. And Honestly, I've never felt anything so excruciatingly painful in my life. My back and ribs were next to break in multiple places as the wheels climbed up my stomach and chest and then the machine mercilessly twisted me back with the knobby treads passing over my shoulder and the side of my face and neck, miraculously missing most of my head. By the time the 14 tons finished their devastating work, I'd lost consciousness. and The first thing I remember when I opened my eyes was the inconceivable pain. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was underwater. I was trying to breathe, but it wasn't working the way it was supposed to work. I I could speak. Well, I couldn't speak. I, I couldn't even cry out, although I wanted to cry out for help. Everything hurt. And I quickly grasped the fact that I was about to die. Honestly, the pain was so extreme that I wanted to die. I just wanted it to stop. I later learned that I had suffered a traumatic pneumothorax, or in simple terms, my lung had collapsed. If there's a puncture in your lung or lungs due to trauma, the air escapes from the lung to the area outside of your lungs, yet inside your chest cavity. And as a result, your lungs push together like a wet paper sack. And the air inside your chest cavity is unable to escape, and it keeps the pressure on your lungs so they remain. it keeps them from expanding. And this can lead to cardiac arrest or respiratory failure. Everything in my body was screaming for oxygen. And in my desperation to breathe, I had to expand my chest cavity to gather air. And the pain from my broken ribs and back, from even the slightest movement, was more than I could possibly endure. In a matter of minutes, the farm manager, Stan, arrived out of breath. He could sense I was in deep shock and on the verge of death. He asked if I could move my legs. Uh, I couldn't respond. So he knelt on the ground, took my head in his hands, and gave me a priesthood blessing. For whatever reason, his words reached through the panic and pain. He told me I was strong. He blessed me that I would live. And honestly, before that moment, it had never entered into my mind that I was going to live. The only thought I had up until that moment was how long would the pain go on until I could die and make it go away. Stan continued, McKay, I bless you that you will walk again. I started to believe. He told me I would go on a mission, hold positions of leadership, marry, go to school, and become a father. These words had a profound effect on my thinking. It was as if there was this tremendous tug-of-war going on inside of me. On one end of the rope was this panic and pain pulling me towards closing my eyes and giving in. And on the other end was the hope that Stan's words were giving me. And in spite of all that was going on around me, I could imagine in my mind the very words that Stan was speaking to me, and I started to lay hold on what he was saying. I started to believe. And reflecting on that moment, I imagine some of you question whether you can endure at times. Can you recover from a spiritual injury or sin? Can you persevere despite challenges? Maybe you've even felt a little like giving up at times here at school. If so, please know you can lay hold upon words that will lift and save you. It would be more than 15 minutes, which honestly seemed like 15 years, before the ambulance would arrive. The hospital ordered the insertion of a chest tube, which meant they would cut through my chest cavity, insert a tube so that it would evacuate the excess air from inside my chest. It hurt so bad I couldn't cope. But soon the pain in my chest diminished and I could breathe a little better. Long story short, it took a long time for me to recover, and much of that time I spent flat on my back in bed. I had to learn to walk again, and walking wasn't something I was sure I would ever be able to do again. And it took time, but as you can see, I can walk. I even run. And through this experience, I learned the power of words. I learned that when you lay hold upon the Word, it is quick, full of life, and powerful. The Word can lead you and bless your life for good. Helaman 3, 29 reads, Yea, we see that whosoever will— may lay hold upon the word of God, which is quick and powerful, which shall divide asunder all the cunning and the snares and the wiles of the devil, and lead the man of Christ in a straight and narrow course across that everlasting gulf of misery, which is prepared to engulf the wicked, and land their souls, yea, their immortal souls, at the right hand of God in the kingdom of heaven." I've pondered on two words in particular from this verse, lay hold. What does it mean to lay hold upon the word? As a freshman here at BYU, I attended mission prep on Sunday mornings at 7 a.m. Our teacher was Herschel Pedersen, center on the 1956 BYU basketball team and former mission president in New Zealand. One Sunday, Herschel quoted Doctrine and Covenants 8461 and he shared his testimony. As he did, I read along in my scriptures, and the Spirit spoke to me. I knew then that I wanted to serve a mission for my Savior, Jesus Christ. I laid hold upon those words. They inspired me to serve. Those words changed my heart and my life. And I suspect most of you sometime have experienced what it's like to lay hold upon the Word. When you lay hold, you take it to heart, you follow it, you taste it, you acquire it, you make it your own, you identify with it, you fully give yourself to it, follow it with real intent, and let it change you. When you lay hold upon the Word, it becomes an anchor of the soul. Now, the Word can come to us in many forms—scripture, testimony— blessings, priesthood and Relief Society lessons, and in class discussions here at BYU. As I entered graduate school here at BYU, I was married and working and desperately needed to get good grades. One day, my professor said something that caused me to lay hold. He asked, do you want to do well in school? Do you want to know the secret? He said, do two things each day. First, study your scriptures before you study anything else. And second, don't go home until your homework's done. It was like a light bulb went off inside of me. I took his words to heart. From then on, I would carry my scriptures in my backpack, and when I would sit down to study, I studied my scriptures first. And I would stay in the library each evening where there was no TV, there were no distractions, until my homework was done. As a result, the following two years were the only years I earned straight A's in my classes. The scriptures include excellent examples of people who laid hold on the word. Enos said the words of his father sunk deep into his heart. Joseph Smith said, Never did any passage of scripture come with more power to the heart of man than this did at this time to mine. It seemed to enter with great force into every feeling of my heart. What happens when we lay hold on the Word? Well, like Enos and Joseph, we connect deeply with it. It often leads to personal change and spiritual growth. And of all the blessings we receive, do you not think that the majority come by way of the Word? Yes, God can change circumstances. He can soften hearts and even heal sickness. But in my life, most of the blessings that I've received— have come by way of the word. I believe that Heavenly Father loves to bless us through His word, and I suspect we only lay hold of a fraction of the word that He sends to bless our life. I imagine He prepares the word like wrapped gifts for us, places them within our reach, and waits for us to lay hold upon them. And sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. Perhaps this is why Moroni beckons us to come unto Christ and lay hold upon every good gift. Perhaps this is why Alma says, the word of God is liberal unto all. So if Heavenly Father sends his word to us liberally, then why don't we lay hold upon it more frequently? President Nukdorf said, Part of our challenge is, I think, that we imagine that God has all of his blessings locked up in a huge cloud up in heaven, refusing to give them to us unless we comply with some strict paternalistic requirements He has set up. But the commandments aren't like that at all. In reality, Heavenly Father is constantly raining blessings upon us. It is our fear, doubt, and sin that, like an umbrella, block these blessings from reaching us. So in addition to fear, doubt, and sin, I'd like to add one additional reason we don't lay hold more often upon the Word. We're distracted. I believe that one of the most significant obstacles to our laying hold upon the Word is our inability to fully immerse ourselves in the Word or, in, or other worthwhile things, to, to fully focus on them. I call this ability to fully focus centering. Centering means you center your attention and your effort on what is currently before you. It means that you do that thing with all of your heart, your feeling and passion, your might, your energy, your mind, your focus and attention, and your strength, your physical will. So if you're reading scripture, give it all your heart and mind. If you're in class, give it all your mind and strength. It means to be wholehearted, totally invested, and engaged. When I taught business strategy at the Marriott School, I was amazed to see that wholehearted students got so much from my class, and half-hearted students took away so little. Both types of students attended class for the same amount of time, and both were present for the same discussion. But some left enriched and others indifferent. Best-selling author Anthony Robbins said, One reason so few of us achieve what we truly want is that we never direct our focus. We never concentrate our power. In fact, I believe most people fail in life simply because they major in minor things. Centering helps us concentrate our power. Just think about it. Imagine that you had several important tasks to complete today. And during the time you'd set aside for each task, you did it with all your heart, might, mind, and strength. No distractions, no text messages, no Instagram. You gave each task your whole heart. Would you get more out of your day? Would you lay hold upon more truth? Would you learn more? Yes, of course. Now, perhaps some of you undervalue the power of centering. You... You think you can multitask your way through school and gospel life. But the truth is, you cannot multitask important things. So let me give you a simple example. Okay, I'd like you, if you wouldn't mind, please, to raise your right foot up off the floor two inches. Go ahead. Now, using your knee as a hinge, rotate your lower leg and foot clockwise in a circular motion and keep it going. Now, as you rotate your lower leg and foot, hold out one hand, making a flat surface. Keep your lower leg rotating clockwise. Take your index finger on the other hand like a pencil. And with your foot still rotating, write the number six on your hand. You see... When we're distracted, we lose power. We lose willpower when we're distracted. But when we focus wholeheartedly, we move in the right direction. And I believe in a more inspired direction. Because it is in the depth of things that you are inspired to lay hold on the word in ways that can change you and change your life. So how do you begin to center when you're not good at it yet? Centering is just like building a muscle. The more you try, the more you build it, the better you will be. So next time you study your scriptures, turn off social media. Give it your full attention. In your next class, don't surf the internet. Instead, listen and participate. In your next sacrament meeting, listen with all your heart. And soon you'll notice that you have the power within you to give things your Whole focus, your whole heart. It will become habit and it will bless your life. Now, there are other blessings that will come to you if you will be centered. Centering will help you lay hold on your purpose in life, even your major. I suspect some of you struggle wondering if you've chosen the right major. At times, you're, you may even wish for a sign that it is right for you, hoping then that you'll be able to ignite that passion inside of you for what you're studying. So what if you gave now, what if now you gave all you had to your major, your whole heart? What if you jumped in with both feet, focused on it, spoke highly of it, and became an expert in it? I'll bet you would soon find your passion. You may even start to see that your major and your classes are more captivating than you thought. In my last semester at BYU, my professor was Steve Albret. And if the students in his class were married, he asked our spouse to attend with us. In his class one day, he taught us a simple principle. He said, as you leave BYU and start earning money, except for a home and education, don't buy it unless you can pay cash for it. After class that day, my wife and I talked about this principle of money management. We felt his words were inspired. We laid hold of them, and we promised to follow them. Not long after graduation, we moved to Cincinnati. Excited to be earning a salary, we rented a townhome, and we went shopping for our first washer and dryer. At the appliance store, I remember standing in front of a new, shiny, white washer and dryer set. They were beautiful. Of course, we didn't have cash to pay for them, and if we were going to buy them, we'd have to use credit. As we stood there, Jennifer looked at me, and I looked at her, And we both knew we couldn't buy them unless we had the cash to pay for them. So heads hanging low, we drove down to the second-hand store, and there we bought a used green washer and yellow dryer for $25 a piece. (laughs) And, And to make ourselves feel better, we made a pact that as soon as they stopped working, either one of them broke, then we would buy that new washer and dryer set. And wouldn't you know it, that old washer and dryer worked for the next 10 years. But because we laid hold on Professor Albrecht's words, we've lived debt-free ever since. And what a tremendous blessing has come to us as a result. If we study and pursue goals in a more centered way, President Spencer W. Kimball promised, we shall experience the Holy Ghost broadening our understanding, find new insights, witness an unfolding pattern of all Scripture, and the doctrines of the lord shall ha- shall come to have more meaning to us than we ever thought possible many of you have served missions and as a missionary you tried to share the word with other people hoping that they would lay hold on it well why did some people lay hold and others did not you knew if they would just give you their attention and begin to center on your message the likelihood of laying hold upon the word of the gospel was significantly higher And how did you feel when they wouldn't lay hold? Could it be that Heavenly Father feels the same about us? He knows if we would just give His Word our wholehearted attention, we would likely lay hold of it, and it would bless our life. And the amazing thing is this. When we lay hold upon the Word, we actually open ourselves up to receive more of His Word and to lay hold of it in greater ways. Alma taught... And therefore, he that will harden his heart, the same receiveth the lesser portion of the word. And he that will not harden his heart, to him is given the greater portion of the word, until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God, until he know them in full. When my mother was 16, one Sunday in Sunday school class, her teacher taught the concept of love and she invited all the youth in the class to go home and tell their parents that they loved them. My mom listened and laid hold on the words of her teacher. After class ended, she waited for her classmates to leave, and then she said to her teacher, I can't do what you ask me to do. I can't tell my father I love him. You see, at the time, my grandfather was a mechanic on an army base. He wasn't active in the church, and he was often rough, gruff, and mean like you'd expect from an army mechanic. At that time, I love you was not something they said to each other in their family. Well, the teacher said, you have to do it. (laughs) Your father, especially your father, needs to hear those words from you. He deserves your unconditional love. So my mom went home, and all week the words of her teacher stayed with her. Finally, on Saturday night, knowing she would be facing her teacher the next day, my mom found her courage. My grandfather had just walked into the kitchen to put out a cigarette. My mom got up her courage and blurted out the words, Dad, I have something to tell you. She paused. I love you. With those words, my grandfather turned around with his back towards my mom and leaned against the fridge with his head bowed down. My mom thought, is he angry? He just stood there, back turned, head down. Then my big, burly grandfather turned around, and he was weeping. My mom hesitated. She stepped over to him, and he wrapped his arms around her and said, I love you. As long as she could remember, this was the first time he had hugged her and said those words to her. It was then, with those words, my grandfather's heart began to soften— Now, years later, when I would visit my grandfather, the first thing he did was hug me and told me that he loved me. And when I knew him, he was a faithful member of the Church. And I wonder what would have happened if my mother had not laid hold upon the words of her Sunday school teacher. You see, when my mom laid hold upon the word and acted on it, my grandfather did the same. He laid hold on her words. And that opened the door for other significant blessings in their life. Laying hold upon the word is quick and powerful. As the psalm pleads, Quicken me, O Lord, according to thy word. When you lay hold upon the word, it can guide you. It can give you a new view of things. It can quicken your understanding. And it is able to change you. It is able to protect you. Paul called the word the word of grace maybe a gift, a favor, or a privilege. In describing it, he said, that word is able to build you up and give you inheritance among all them which are sanctified. The word is able to build you up. When you leave here today, look for ways you can lay hold on the word. And by doing so, you will lay hold upon every good gift that our Heavenly Father has prepared for you. And by continually laying hold upon the Word, you will come to know the Word, even Jesus Christ. For He was the Word, even the messenger of salvation. Elder Gary Pocock said, As we lay hold upon the Word of God, it lays hold upon us, guiding our thoughts, words, and deeds, drawing us ever closer to the great source of those inspiring words. When I came to BYU, my goal was to get a master's degree in business administration to work, and then to work for the best marketing company in the world, Procter & Gamble. It took a lot of sleepless nights, sacrifice, my own money to earn my degree. But because of BYU, I got the job. And I remember my first day of work. I parked my car down the road and across the freeway from P&G's headquarters in Cincinnati, And I can't describe the feeling of accomplishment that I had as I walked across the overpass bridge to my new job on my first day. I had done it. I was about to start a career for which I had struggled and sacrificed. But suddenly my thoughts changed. And do you know what I noticed? I noticed I was walking. I remembered my accident, and I remembered the words of that blessing when Stan said, I bless you that you will walk again, that you will hold positions of leadership and make a difference in the world. And there I was, dressed in my new suit, headed to my first day of professional work, crying like a baby as I walked across that bridge and into my new life. I know what happens when you lay hold on the Word. Get centered. Immerse yourself in the Word of God. Listen. Listen. Give your whole heart to what is here in front of you at BYU. And I testify you will rise to become exactly what God wants you to be. And by so doing, you will come to know yourself, your purpose, and your Savior. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen.
0: You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for a half hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Living to Obtain Power from God. We heard McKay Christensen give his talk entitled Lay Hold Upon the Word, The Power of Wholehearted Living. Access all of our Finding Center episodes through our free BYU Radio app, available wherever you get your apps. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.